Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. The nominees for performance by an actress in a leading role are Marie-Christine Barreau in Cousin Cousine, Faye Dunaway in Network, Talia Shire in Rocky, Sissy Spacek in Carrie, Liv Ullman in Face to Face. And the winner is Faye Dunaway in Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today we are going to be talking about the 1977 uh, ceremony year win for Faye Dunaway. And the reason why I say uh, ceremony year is because a lot of queens are like, that's the best actress of 1970. Okay, but it's a, it's a podcast about literally Oscars. So we're going by the Oscar ceremony year. So queen, relax. Uh, today... Uh, I am joined by a friend, a colleague, uh, a fellow comedian, uh, the host of Codenames Live on Twitch, uh, Mr. Tim Riel. Hi, it's me. I- I'm one of those people that was like, uh, this is 1976, bro. Yeah, I know. And, and, and I, I get that. You know, I get that. I understand what people are saying. But I'm in my head, I'm like, if I'm doing um, um, a podcast about the Oscars, I'm going to do the Oscar year, not the you know, best actress from the year before. I realize that that's often how they do it, uh, but it's my fucking podcast and suck it. Yeah, and besides, the Oscars is about the 1976 year, but you're not talking about the year in movies. You're talking about the Oscar ceremony, and that happened in 1977, so go to hell. (laughs) <laughs> so uh 1977 oscars so uh best picture went to rocky first sports film to win best picture uh best director went to john g avildsen for rocky and i'm sorry if like anybody that is a big fan of john g avildsen is cringing at the way i'm pronouncing that <laughs> uh best supporting actress went to beatrice straight for network for a five minute performance and still to this day holds the record for shortest performance ever to win an oscar uh, best supporting actor went to Jason Robards for All the President's Men. We all, he won the following year again for Julia, and I had a different podcast about that, but we all hated it. And best actor went to Peter Finch for Network. So Network really did well um, this year for the acting categories. Um, okay, Tim, I'm going to be just, we're just going to jump right into this because there's a lot to cover. And mm-hmm. I am, <laughs> this Okay, there are so many things that we have to talk about. I don't even know if we have time to get to all of it. Like, not only are there two foreign language films, we have category fraud. Um, There's a lot of weird politics with this win. There's a lot of really confusing nominations. There was a lot of really good movies and then a lot of really bad movies. So normally I would spend the first kind of chunk you know, catching up with you, seeing how you are. But I think just for the sake of, and I think you would agree with me when I say that this year was insane with these movies and these nominations that I think we got to, we got to just jump right into it. Yeah, I'm into it. Uh, Cause yeah, uh, I'm, I'm anxious to hear all the history and stuff. Cause I, I watched the movies and I got to tell you, I was a little worried. Cause I'm like, uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to pick a year about uh, that has a movie 
that I that I'm interested in. And uh, and so when I saw Faye Dunaway one for Network, Network has mm-hmm. been something that I've heard about, and I'm right. like, I definitely want to watch that. And then uh, the other, I, I mean, uh, I thought I had seen Rocky, and I thought I had seen Carrie. I'm saying that because after watching them again. Even if I have seen them, I certainly did not remember them. Right. Uh, because yeah. uh, I'm like, oh, I do not know this movie. Uh, and right. then the two foreign language films, uh, uh, I was a little bit worried. <laughs> took us a while to find them. But uh, oh after finding them, I'm actually kind of happy that I picked this year. I don't know yeah. how you feel about the movies, but uh, I, uh, I, was pretty, uh, I, I was pretty happy that I picked this year. Yeah, I mean, I feel like trying to find uh, face-to-face, it is was like trying to find uh what is that from the last crusade in indiana jones it's that like the holy grail the holy grail it was like trying to find the holy grail it was impossible like i sent out search parties you found it by the way thank you yeah and uh, by the way by using some crazy internet tricks uh, it was not easy (laughs) i i asked i think i asked okay okay let's let's just jump in so before we even get into face-to-face or we even get into Ingmar Bergman we're just gonna the first movie that I want to talk about here is the movie Rocky and Mm -hmm. Talia Shire's nomination so I had actually only previously seen uh, Talia Shire in The Godfather Part 2 for she was nominated for a supporting role for a five-minute performance and that's so funny because it was actually longer than she was in Rocky um, the fact the fact that she had a lead nomination is the biggest bunch of BS. Like I, uh, although it gives me hope because then I think that I could be nominated for an Oscar because I'm like, you know, she didn't have like a crying moment or like a freaking out moment. She had development, but she definitely did it in like 10 lines or less. Um, yeah, I, I definitely wanted to touch on, on her performance basically about that. Cause uh, yeah, the, the reason I think she got a lead actress nomination at all is because uh, she's the, she's only one of two women in the, in the movie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it's like, well, we need to, we need to nominate someone from this movie. And so the lead actress, uh, number one on the call sheet that doesn't have a penis is, uh, is Talia. So she gets the nom. <laughs> Let's go for it. Um, so for anybody listening, if you've been living under a rock and you don't know what the movie Rocky is about, uh, <laughs> it is a story of the human spirit of rooting for the underdog. And it's about boxing, but it's actually not about boxing. That's what I was worried about. I've never seen this movie before. And I got to say, I really, really liked this movie. Uh, it's Sylvester Stallone's, uh, he was, this was basically his film debut and he was like living in a car when he wrote this and he Mm -hmm. had to sell his dog. Uh, and then when he got all the money for the script, he actually bought his dog, dog back. And I think he (laughs) at one point shows up in the movie, which is really funny. Um, and then, you know, he, uh, is this out of work boxer who gets his face like ripped open for $44 at the very beginning. It's a very violent movie. And then, you know, uh, this big famous uh, boxer challenges this unknown person for publicity, uh, Rocky. And then, you know, in the end he loses, but he wins because his goal wasn't to beat him because he couldn't. The goal for Rocky was to endure all the rounds. And he did. And then he fell in love with Talia Shire at the end. 
Yeah, I really like how, by the way, uh, about uh, three minutes before the climax, uh, they insert a scene uh, that uh, Talia could have done really, really good in. Yeah. But they misused her, which would have, by the way, made the ending make more sense had they used Talia in that scene. But just Uh before the climax, they throw in a scene where Rocky gets to explain that going 15 rounds would be the real win. And it's like, "Eh, you could have given that to Talia. like. Absolutely. And also the cover of the movie, or at least every poster that I've seen, is a photo of Rocky and Talia walking away together from like the their version of victory. And you're yeah. like, oh, it's like a story about like love and the both of them. And and then you watch the movie and then you're like, so that's that scene that the poster is of was a real scene in the movie that they just fully cut. So that's another opportunity to use Talia. <laughs> She's just She was definitely misused in this movie a hundred percent. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, um, did she do a bad job? No, she did a great job. But like, that's, where the that's what frustrated she? me the most. Because, like you said, like she doesn't have any crying moments or outburst moments. The closest uh-huh. thing to an outburst moment is when she yells at her brother, and uh, and that's uh, that is very jarring and very quick. Yeah. But it is clear when you're watching this actress do her work that she's very very good at it. But obviously, uh-huh. either because it was Sly's first time writing or there was nobody to really edit from a writing point of view or a character development point of view. Uh-huh. But you can see that there was growth in this character because there was plenty of room for growth. She started off not being able to look people in the eyes and talk. And then all right. of a sudden, she's this strong woman who can stand up for her things and is not going to take this shit anymore. Uh-huh. Uh, but then uh, obviously, all of that growth happened off screen because right. we don't get to see any of it. Uh, we just know that, well, something happened this week because she uh, she is now cracking jokes on the couch. But that's exactly what it is. It was all off screen because she would just be this mute, shy, meek girl. And you're like, oh. And then in the next scene, she's standing up to her brother. She's like, I'm not a loser. And you're like, when did this happen? Like, good for you. (laughs) But like, when did all of this happen? Because like, fine, I believe that this happened. But I'm just wondering, like, maybe we could have seen that. Or like, I agree with you. And um, okay, so... Um, okay, we, oh, fine. We can both agree that she wasn't in the movie a lot. Let's talk about specifically when, you know, she, when she was, when she was in the movie. So, um, what I hated about her character was that it seemed like she had no choices. Like when her brother forced her to go out with Rocky and like threw out her Thanksgiving turkey, like while she was in the middle of making it. And then... Um, whenever they go, Rocky and uh, Adrian go on their, her name is Adrian in the movie, anybody listening, by the way, uh, go on their first date. Um, he like corners her in his apartment and refuses to take no for an answer. It's very problematic. And I just feel bad for this character. Here's the thing, and and I and I wonder because it, because it was like a lauded movie, and 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 Rocky is supposed to be a, a, a pretty sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if it's are are we looking back on a moment that people thought was endearing at the yes. time? Because I watched yes. that scene and I was horrified, and mm-hmm. I was like, uh, uh, "Oh my god!" But you can see like right away that there's it's been written into her character that. Uh, her discomfort leaves her and she gives in to passion because this is what she actually wants. And I'm like, I don't think we're even allowed to write that anymore because that's not a real thing. (laughs) 
cornering a girl in your apartment when she's like, I want to go home. And it's like, I, it's like that whole no means no. And he literally is like, no, it's okay. okay." By the way, turn on the subtitles when you watch this movie. I realize that's a very hacky joke (laughs) about Sylvester Stallone, but it is true. I I had to turn on this. I couldn't understand him sometimes. I was Me, it was even worse because I don't know about the mixing. And maybe it's because uh, all all of our stuff in in the 21st century is too high tech. But uh, Mm -hmm. I had to turn on the subtitles simply because the music was so loud and the <laughs> and the dialogue was so low so i'm like i'm gonna put this on because i can't keep riding the volume button do you have like a like a like a home theater sound system set up well in i've your got home? like a sound bar thing but i think i may have watched this one in bed so it's just the tv speakers bouncing off the wall behind it right but i uh, anyway <laughs> not part of what we're actually talking about but yeah i definitely uh, uh thank god for the uh for, for the uh the, the subtitles because a lot of that movie uh like when they're walking away or any discussion like uh, yeah. she plays very low-key for most of the movie uh for most of the scenes she's in and so a lot of her stuff is under her breath and whispered anyway so it's yeah. like, thank God for the subtitles, or I may have missed some of the gems she's putting out. It's so true. And um, uh, uh, whenever he really starts to train and he's like ready for this big fight, the coach then tells Rocky, hey, you got to cut Talia out of your life because, uh, and I, I wrote this down, it was... Uh, women weaken legs. I mean, first of all, girl, amen. But like the movie, <laughs> no, but like the movie barely had, I wrote it down an hour and 13 minutes into the movie. She had six lines and then they were like women uh, weaken legs. So then she got cut again. So I was like, okay, so now we're seeing her less. I'm like, okay, fine. Okay, fine. And then um, she kind of comes back at the end. I agree with you. That scene before the fight when she's in the locker room had so much potential and it did let her down. You're, you're so like nail in the head yeah. with that. Absolutely. And then when uh, he's calling out to her at the end in the ring and she's fighting it through those doesn't people. doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know, she's like, Rangy. and then she like gets onto the ring. She gets into the ring and she goes, I love you. And then hugs. And then that was it. That was the end. I was so upset when the credits started rolling. Cause I'm like, wait, there's not another scene because you haven't explained <laughs> shit. You I had know. every chance. You had every chance when Rocky's sitting on his bed, explaining to Adrian that, uh, if he makes it 15 rounds, first of all, she should have said, it doesn't matter if you win. All you have to do is make it 15 rounds because right. I am so invested in you, which is what the movie told me to be is to be super invested in you because you right. have saved me from my terrible brother. Uh, because I have invested in you, I have done some research. I've watched some of his old fights and nobody can last more than 12 rounds with them. That's the best anyone's ever done. And if you can make it to 15, that's the real win. And or or change the scene to I don't want you to fight. He's just going to kill you. Just don't fight or whatever. And then uh, and then have the I love you at the end. Be a forgiveness. I love you or a reconciliation going. I'm sorry. I bailed on you at the moment of your triumph but here i am i would have been very mad at that ending but at least it would have made some kind of sense i agree with you complete every word i completely agree with you i i think that her oscar moment was the uh you know i'm not a loser she's standing up to her brother that essentially like sold her off and uh if okay if she was nominated for a supporting role 100 percent lead role i don't think so Frankly, as far as I'm concerned, I think that we've said all that we can really say about this, but I will just say a couple of little things about this movie. Um, so fun little facts about this movie. Uh, after watching Rocky for the first time, 
I realized uh, a lot of straight men that I knew growing up based their personality off of this film. Um, and that was kind of a little, that was cute. Uh, I find the athleticism of this movie extremely impressive. Um, and also the scene, this is the one thing I thought was really funny. Remember when he talks about the white shorts with the red stripe poster and he was like, no, it's supposed to be a red short with the white stripe. And, he, and they were like, who cares? So they had to throw that in because the prop department actually was the one that fucked that up. It was supposed to be white shorts. That yeah. So then they were like, okay, fine. So what we'll do is we'll just acknowledge it in the script, and then we'll just go with it because it was the prop department. Although it kind of seems like an easy fix on the prop department, but anyway. Well, here's one because that that surprises the hell out of me because uh, I I I liked the movie. I thought it was I thought it was very good, and uh, I think it like suffers from the fact that everything is compared to Rocky, and everything with a montage is a is a Rocky montage, and Rocky two and on, and all those other things. There's the it, it seemed like Rocky was a template for it, so I was expecting the camp of everything that, uh, that that came after it because of it. Same. And then yeah. when I watched the movie, I'm like, oh no, this, first of all, the montage is barely a montage. Uh, yeah. The characters are a lot more down to earth. Like it's, it was a very, it was way more low key than I ever anticipated it to be. But that yeah. moment is one of those uh, moments where I was just like, oh, we've got some fucking thesis uh, statements in this movie like hey we have built this all up you've got a huge poster oh the shorts are wrong it doesn't matter you're nobody right and i'm like yeah. what a poignant just just a throwaway line that show, shows the poignancy and the and the spectacle of what's about to happen and you're telling me it was just because the prop department bought the wrong shorts yes <laughs> that's hilarious i love that i'm glad i i glad i said that then okay so we have so much to cover here unless you have anything else to add about talia shire can we let's move on on. okay so our next nominee um this one i'm really excited to talk about um is sissy spacek in carrie so this was a surprise nomination because obviously it's a horror movie frankly i think the only scary thing in this movie was the amount of camel toe not being fixed um if you this is so if you didn't know uh carrie is a movie about a extremely bullied girl who has a very freakishly religious mom who develops telekinetic powers and then she becomes humiliated at her school prom and then she just goes well i guess the verb now is she goes like carrie at the prom but like she goes crazy with her telekinesis and kills everybody um this was stephen king's first book and he was only paid $2,500 for the screenplay. Uh, and he doesn't even care because for him, it was the way of validating his career, what it would soon be. Um, now, this movie obviously is quite silly to watch now. It's very corny. But at the time, this movie was probably, you know, this is the beginning of a lot of like horror tropes and the beginnings of like horror, the beginnings of horror, really, like good horror. And um so obviously there's a lot of like steamy sensual underage shower scenes and Dear all Lord, that. they open with it. I know, a lot of crap like that. And this is what I will say about Sissy Spacek in this movie. She is a great this is a great acting performance in a sea of bad acting. She is really good in this movie. And I didn't really think that it was a surprise that she was nominated for an Oscar for this movie. Do you remember at the very beginning when she gets her period in the shower and then, I mean, it's kind of a little comedic to watch now, but if you think about it in terms of actually having to act it out, when all the girls are throwing tampons at her and making fun of her and yelling at her and, and hitting her and stuff like that, Sissy Spacek 
is naked in that moment. She's yep. having this humiliating thing done to her on camera in and and people around the world are watching this on a movie screen. That would be humiliating to film. And the fact that she did it and she went there seriously, that is I I never use this word but brave. That is a brave choice and and good for her. Yep, uh, I'm going to I'm going to 100% agree with you because it's it's one of those things where it's a Stephen King horror movie and uh it if it, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna say this flat out. If it had not been for Sissy Spacek, mm-hmm. this would have been a TV movie. Uh, <laughs> there's no way this hits theaters if Sissy Spacek isn't Carrie. Uh, everybody else does a passable job, including the mother, who's a little bit more over the top than I would like her to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They could have been slightly more grounded, which would have made the mother more terrifying. Mm-hmm. But she puts on a little bit too much, uh, a little bit too much clown in it, and it's like it's not menacing so much as ridiculous. That is uh, so. I need to stop you right there because that is so you, good for you for noticing that. Because actually, Piper Laurie, the the actor that you're talking about. She didn't know the movie was a horror movie. She thought the movie was a dark comedy. So she would say lines like, I can see your dirty pillows. And the way that she was like, she thought her character was a joke. That's why she, and then when oh, the movie no. came out as a horror movie, she was like, what? <laughs> it's like um, Tony Collette in The Sixth Sense. She had no idea. And so uh, that is really funny that you say that. Anyways, please continue your point. I just, I had to, I had to. Yeah, just no, uh, my point just being that uh, uh, Sissy Spacek, uh, her commitment and, uh, and again, I, I think, I, I don't know if it's emphasized by the lack of, uh, of, of groundedness from every other character in the movie, right. uh, but she is so, uh, if there was a girl whose mother treated her that way, who had telekinesis in the real world, uh, I absolutely believe that's exactly the level uh, that they would be. That's yeah. that's those are the same reactions, the same facial things. Like Sissy's basics performance in this, uh, first of all, saved the movie, obviously, and absolutely mm-hmm. should have been nominated for an Oscar, despite the fact that this is uh, it's only because of Sissy's basic uh, it's a step above TV movie. Yeah, it's 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 very very silly. Um, and her performance when she's being abused physically and emotionally by. Uh, the students it's it's hard to watch when she's being abused by her mother it's very hard to watch and she's so quiet and shy and reserved and like your heart just like breaks for her and it's just sissy space that like you're saying is really carrying this picture she's really selling it and i felt so bad for her and when she does murder everybody you don't think of her as the villain it's almost like this justice the only thing that I can say to the writers that that for me elevates the script of this uh, is in the moment when uh, Carrie is killing everybody, they do a really great and subtle nod to the fact that Carrie is angry at 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 everybody, obviously, but mm. focuses her angers in the beginning of her attack at people who were actually helping her it's one of those cool twists i like in movies where uh the misunderstanding is the climax instead right. of like uh the up oh we had a misunderstanding and then we we made up but like in this moment she's angry at the only two people who actually cared about her right and believes that they have turned on her and and so her all of her violence is directed at them first before then burning down the entire place and i thought that was uh, incredible i thought i i loved that turn 
Yeah, that's actually, that is very, very true because she does murder her only friend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. That's very, very true. The misunderstood, being misunderstood. Absolutely. And I, I think the only time that you really kind of see her, her growth and her change is kind of just the scenes with her mother, who, by the way, Piper Laurie was nominated for an Oscar for a supporting role for this movie. Um, because for the majority of the movie, like Sissy Spacek doesn't really speak a lot unless she's kind of around her mother. And then when she's around her mother, it's like really intense and really hard to watch. And, um, although, um, the part that I always, the part that always makes me laugh. And I do agree with you with Piper Laurie was when she's, when the pig blood falls on her and she's spinning out and it's like that repetition that she keeps hearing over and over and her mom that, they're all gonna laugh at you. They're all gonna laugh at you. <laughs> I remember as a kid watching this movie, and I thought that that you're. They're all gonna laugh at you. I remember that was like the height of comedy to me because it sounded so stupid. <laughs> so then, as I watched this movie with people, it just became this thing like they're all gonna laugh at you. And I, I brought back, brought back fond, brought back fond memories. But um, the only thing that I would say kind of ruined this movie for me uh, from, I mean, I guess this wasn't really Sissy Spacek necessarily, but uh, do you remember when uh, that one girl that was trying to help her that like got her boyfriend, the one with like the big brown curly hair? Yeah. She was in, uh, she was in Yentl. I can't remember what her name is. Uh, she uh, at the very, at the very end is having this dream and she goes to the house or like where the house was. And then suddenly mm-hmm. this like bloody arm at the end grabs her like, gotcha. Yeah. I feel like it kind of ruined the tone of the movie because it's supposed to be like carries the victim, not like it did change the focus of who was hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, I just, Sissy Spacek is an incredible actor and I really think that she elevated this, this crazy premise and she made it believable. Apparently when she was, when this was filming, she was in character the whole time so she wouldn't speak to the actors. And if they spoke to her, she would speak back like Carrie and, and she would like be very meek and shy. Cause she's very method, you know? Um, nice. And she said, when this is all done, like we'll be the best of friends. But right now, like I have to, I have to do this. And so it's like, don't talk to me. Or if you do, like, you're going to get a response back. Like I'm Carrie. And yeah. yeah, I'm going to be very intimidated by you because that's who I have to be. That's right. Oh, uh, and the only other thing that I had to say about this movie is when she's figuring out that the rope, at the prom is connected mm-hmm. to the bucket of what she does. She doesn't know what it is yet. It oh, yeah. was so preventable. She took so long to figure out, Oh, a rope is being pulled. And that's where Carrie is standing. She just could have been like, Hey, Carrie, like step back. And it would have fixed like all time. Here's the thing. I think this might just be bad editing or uh, trying right. to add tension to something because uh, I, I had to watch that scene back because I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, how many times are you going to like look up and down this goddamn rope? Like, uh, <laughs> first of all, this, 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 uh, Oh, there's a rope tied to a bucket scene was, uh, was an unnecessary four and a half minutes. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> like agree this, with this you. Know. Too long. But when I actually watched it back, cause I'm like, okay, what's the, cause like they're trying to do a weird slow-mo thing. And so what's the actual timing of it? And so when you watch the scene back, um, from the time that she notices the rope, uh, we've already got the crown on Carrie mm-hmm. and uh, they've started taking pictures. And then when it happens, uh, the photographer is still taking pictures. So for me, that entire four minutes of looking at the rope, checking under the stairs and all that probably in real life was supposed to have taken between five and 10 seconds. Right. 
okay i see what yeah, but but i, I absolutely agree with you because i actually i had to go back i watched the scene again because i'm like why did she look at this rope so goddamn long she's like hmm. she's actually can't she's not it's just equations in her face um <laughs> but, but oh, very slow equations only only addition and subscription, and subtraction. Yeah, subtraction right? she's like hmm, okay carry the two uh but when the part that actually genuinely made me cry seriously was when she wins prom queen and she's like walking up to the stage and you Didn't see how you feel happy... amazing for her for two minutes, even though you knew what was going to happen. Cause you've seen the poster of the movie. Exactly. I know that was, that was, that was a really, that, that part was yeah. really moving and really sad. And then, um, and again, she plays it so well. Cause you, you did point out that uh, Carrie does, uh, 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 that uh, Sissy Spacek doesn't speak a lot in the movie, but this is 100% a body and face acting thing where right. at no point did I not believe her. And at mm-hmm. every point did she exude exactly the low key feeling that you were supposed to get from her. It was, it was never an exaggerated smile. It was never exaggerated happiness in that moment. She's glowing, but in a still, insecure way but you can see that there's joy it's like she did fantastic with what she was given i completely agree with you um unless there's anything else that you would like to add we can move on let's go so let's talk about marie christine moreau in cousin cousine yes so this was a french movie about not actual cousins but they're like cousins in law i guess um falling in love and having an affair. Is that what it was about? <laughs> it was it was interesting. Um I'm just going to say that this movie uh uh okay. I have a pr- okay. If anybody listening to this is a fan of this movie, I will just say to preface this that I sometimes have a hard time understanding humor from a different time, but I find it even harder um, understanding it when it's also in a different language and a different culture. Yeah, completely. And, um, it's one of these stories where like everybody is cheating on each other, but I guess that the groundbreaking thing at the time was that there was no sneaking around because nobody cared. Everyone knew about it. And it was just this sort of like, Oh, did you spend the night with her? Or did you spend the night with him? And Marie Christine Barreau is kind of the main character. And it's like, her husband is like cheating on her left and right. And then she meets her cousin-in-law who his wife is cheating on him at the wedding with Marie Christine Barreau's husband. Mm -hmm. So then Marie Christine Barreau and this guy have their own love affair and comedy ensues. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. We could call it that. (laughs) This movie was painful. I hated this movie. That's I'm just going to say it. I hated this movie. I did not hate this movie, but, uh, but continue. Um, I do think that, in my opinion, Marie Christine Barreau's nomination, again, I could be completely wrong. I don't really understand why she was nominated. Frankly, I thought that Marie-France Pizier should have been nominated for the supporting role. She was the cousin's wife who, like... Okay, because the reason why is because the supporting characters had consequences to Mm -hmm. their actions and to the actions of like their spouse where it kind of just seemed like Marie Christine Barreau and the guy that she was with just did whatever they fuck they want. And it just, it didn't matter. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think in the, in the sense of the story, it was supposed to be, uh, you're still on their side because this is, uh, uh, light revenge. 
uh, it's it's like they're not doing anything bad because they're they're only doing this because they were uh, they're escaping uh, their. Uh, well, uh, I, the problem <laughs> is we're talking about the French movie, so now I'm thinking in French. Uh, right. I'm like, they're infidelities. <laughs> infidelities, uh, right? Uh, yeah, and so it's like uh, they're they're hero characters because it's like they've been done wrong and they found each other and uh, and they're comforting each other in the done wrongingness. But I think where it mm-hmm. fell down for me in the movie is that. Neither of them looked particularly upset at any point. Yeah, I agree. And it's like, uh, oh, this is uh, uh, for revenge for our philandering uh, spouses. Uh, we uh, we found each other and consoled each other. It's like, no, no, you didn't console shit. You right. you weren't upset. Yeah. You just looked at them and they ridiculously said, oh, the car broke down and it took an hour to fix it while she's adjusting her dress. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and you guys just looked at them like they were pathetic human beings and then uh, and then decided to just ignore them from that point on. It's like there's no, there's no comeuppance in this movie. No, I agree. And the thing is, is for me, the only interesting part of the film was uh, Marie Christine Burroughs husband who mm-hmm. stopped cheating on her who was trying to, I guess, at you guess from the audience, it's like, it's like, yeah, like, buddy, you uh, get to suffer now because you were cheating on her left and right. So now you kind of like, you deserve this. And then, you know, he's drinking a lot and he's uh, being an asshole. And then um, he's, you see him suffering. It's like, there's more character development for him because there's consequences to his actions. It's the same thing with Marie-France Pizier, where, mm-hmm you know, she tries to kill herself at one point, but then she goes like, ow. And then even if it was comedy, it's like, she still tried. And it was like, for the supporting characters, there was consequences to the actions, but for the lead characters, it just kind of seemed like a bit um, like anarchy for everything that they did. And um, I don't, I mean, to, to, to echo what you're saying, because uh, I absolutely feel the exact same way, uh, your supporting characters, not only do they have uh, repercussions, there are consequences, uh, but they also have an arc. Um, I don't think that the, uh, the husband's uh, arc is particularly well done, mm-hmm. because uh, I don't see any catalyst as to why he would stop cheating on his, uh, uh, on his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, like at no point is that really explained or uh, relevant. The only thing that happens before he, by the way, before he breaks up with seven other women, no. uh, <laughs> is the only, uh, the only thing that happens before that, the only catalyst before that is he basically, uh, when they get back an hour late to the wedding and he's like, uh, uh, hey, I'm sorry, it's not a thing. And then kind of like ignores it and lies to his wife again. So during that period where he's breaking up with everybody, I wasn't thinking about the wife. I thought he was doing that for the new mistress. And I thought Mm. the whole story was going to be how the main characters uh, meet each other because the other two are falling in love with each other. And that's not what happens at all. And so that threw me off. But again, their character arc worked. Whereas uh, uh, our main actress, uh, who is it? Marie Christine Barreau. She, her and the main actor, their storyline is one note. There is no yeah. peaks or valleys for them at all. Agreed. They are two people who have met somebody that they enjoy spending time with. Mm-hmm. And all you see are conversations with somebody that is pleasant in pleasant environments. That's all there. Like, like, why would you get nominated for, mm-hmm. hey, it really looked like you enjoyed having a conversation with that man. <laughs> it's like, no, I- that's all she does. The whole movie is just have pleasant conversations. And, and that is exactly, I compl- 
I 100%. It's just one of those things where maybe at the time, because of the subject matter, it's a product of its time and and because of adultery. And, you know, at this time, um, same time next year came out with uh, um, uh, Ellen Burstyn. And, and, you know, these types of narratives were were happening during this time and and in the 70s, I mean, and uh, maybe they needed to kind of tone it down for audiences so that it wasn't too controversial and they needed to make the characters seem more sympathetic. I'm not really sure what it was, but when you watch this movie through the eyes of 2021, it's dull and just simply lacks conflict. Mm-hmm. 100%. I don't really think that there were any Oscar moments, or at least I didn't see any, and the ones that I did, I felt were coming from Marie-France uh, Pizier. I really just didn't understand... Uh, Marie Christine Burroughs nomination and uh, frankly I don't really have much else to say about this movie no, or this I think uh, I think it might be uh, and and I was hoping that maybe you had found out about this in your research and it's going to be one of the little tidbits that you drop for this movie because I, while I was looking at it because of how political the Academy Awards is anyway mm-hmm. I was wondering looking at the movies of that year I'm like were they accused of being too United States centric for a couple of years? And so to fire back, they said, well, we're going to add a couple of foreign films in each category. And then they're like, well, we only watched two. So let's put these two foreign films in, even though there was nothing in this movie that deserved, uh, except like you said, uh, the other actress uh, there, yeah, her arc was great and she played it great. The, the moments, um, I don't, I, and this is going to come up later because uh, uh, I think this was also a theme that I don't know if it was pointed at or if it was just something that everybody together and then we talked about it later. But there's a lot of mental health stuff going on, and it is very clear that we are dealing with a a bipolar narcissist in the white mm-hmm. in the in the wife mm-hmm. uh, in the other supporting character, and so you're watching highs and lows, and uh, I don't need you's, and uh, please never leave me's. And the, the range and the re- it's so real the way that she plays it that I, I did enjoy when she was on screen. I mean, I'm not saying that there weren't nice moments. I think mostly what I'm just saying is why was she nominated? <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I mean. Like that, uh, well, the, the actress that was nominated had nothing. Like I said, it was one note the whole way. It was a, it was a pleasant woman having a pleasant time with a pleasant man for what, an hour and a half? Well, to answer your question about the research, so I don't have a specific answer for that specific question, but I can say, because the year that I did um, my podcast with uh, Dan Dillabo, we did Ingrid Bergman's for Murder on the Orient Express, which is a supporting role. And at the time, um, Valentina Cortese was nominated for Day for Night, and that was a French film, which um, she is hilarious in that movie. But the year before, I think it was night. Oh my God, if somebody's listening and they're like, actually, it's 1973. I don't know if it's 1973 or if it's 1974. <laughs> it's it's one of those years, but it, it was like, you know, mid 70s. They decided that foreign language films could be part of the best picture category. And when that change happened, because at this point, Liv Ullman was like bringing the thunder in like foreign films. Um, whenever uh, they allowed it, best pictures to be foreign language films, then a lot of these foreign language performers started becoming nominated. And Valentina Cortese was nominated a year after the movie was nominated for Best Picture uh, Day for Night, which which was strange. So maybe to answer your question, maybe they were putting a focus on foreign language films because it was because kind of a, was new, a, new, a new thing. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe that's what it was. Um, I'm not sure. I don't have that exact answer, but frankly, that's 
that's what I. It think. makes sense because uh, I mean I I assume we're uh, coming up on her next, but uh, Liv Ullman when uh, when we watched Face to Face, searching for it was a bit tougher because again we were looking for movies from 1976, and yeah. as far as I can tell from all of the things that we found, uh, that's a 1975 movie. Yeah, so let's let's jump into <laughs> let's jump into Liv Ullman in Face to Face. Also, I think her name might be pronounced Liv Ullman, and if it is, I'm sorry to people listening, but I'm very English, so I'm just going to say Liv, but if it's Liv, I apologize. So L- L- Liv Ullman in Face to Face. So again, Tim, uh, we have to thank you for finding this. <laughs> and, and not just that, like, because uh, you're like, oh, I can't find it and we might have to disqualify it. And I'm like, well, if we disqualify it, it's not a big deal. And then you said, but I don't want to disqualify it because all I can, all I've read about it is apparently this is a tour de force. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, ah, then I, so I'm like, okay, I will redouble my efforts as well. And so both of us started looking really, really hard. And I, uh, I, through a website that you had pointed out to me i luckily found a mislabeled copy of the game uh, of the of the of the uh, movie and then we watched it and then we watched it and you are i i I, thank you for that because uh (laughs) uh, it it wasn't my favorite movie uh uh, but uh, but i thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, i am i i uh in hindsight uh, i think i would have been very sad if we hadn't found this movie I will say that Ingmar Bergman, I'm not very familiar with his work, but I have seen Autumn Sonata with Ingrid Bergman, and mm-hmm. I thought that that movie was incredible. Liv Ullman was also in that movie, and she was also incredible. Um, Ing- Ing- Ingmar Bergman uses uh, Liv Ullman, like, a lot, and understandably yeah. so. So if anybody listening... <laughs> So if anybody listening, oh, by the way, okay, before before we jump into this, I am going to say, okay, not only is this movie nowhere on the internet, you can't rent it anywhere. So then I was like, you know what, I'll go to a library. The only fucking place that had it, it was like way the, I live in Toronto, it was way the fuck, like, it's somewhere past like North York, which was like a 40 minute drive. And then I had to have like a separate library membership then i had to find a dvd player i'm like f the uh, fuck that i'm not d like absolutely what is why is this movie so difficult to find but when you watch this movie you're like oh i get it because the thing Mm -hmm. is is this is not regarded as one of um ingmar bergman's best even though he was nominated for best director and it won best foreign language film however uh, anybody listening, uh, fun fact, Liv Ullman uh, was actually odds on favorite to win, but everyone knew that she wouldn't because of the fact that um, it she just simply wasn't American. And a lot of people just couldn't really get into a lot of foreign language films at this time. I don't really know if a lot has changed since then. I mean, the fact that Parasite won and it was monumental and that was what, like a year ago? It, mm-hmm. I don't know if we're quite there yet with foreign language films. So in the 70s, the likelihood of her walking away with this trophy was was very, very low. But anyway, so very quick, face to face. It's tricky to explain what it's about because there's because so many things. it's not about anything. Yeah, oh it's so God. many, so many things. So basically <laughs> it's a woman who is a psych psychologist or a psychiatrist she works in a mental health facility during the summer uh while uh her husband goes to america and her daughter goes to camp and then she stays with her grandparents while she works at this facility temporarily over the summer and while she's there um like during the summer she like gets almost raped and then she has this mental breakdown about things that haunt her in her past and it's basically a very artsy fartsy film of her going through her mental health issues and at the time you know, in the 1970s, talking about mental health is really not a thing. So this kind of storyline, this kind of narrative was very groundbreaking for the time. But when you watch it back today, 
it's like you're trapped in a really weird Marilyn Manson, Lady Gaga music video that just is super confusing. Do you remember that movie Cell? Oh yeah, I love Jennifer- Cell uh, with the with the horse that gets uh, chopped up. It was like watching. It was like being trapped in that, except for way less budget, and it was just. Um, at one point there were, I thought is a horror movie. Cause that creepy old woman with one eye, I was like, is it a horror movie? And, uh, there was a lot of tone things that were really confusing, but oh, yeah. just specifically talking about Liv Ullman. She is incredible in this movie. She is something else. And, uh, it's, uh, it's like you said, uh, she should have been an odds on a favorite, uh, mm-hmm. uh, at the time. Uh, cause yeah, like you, I think, uh, and and this is the issue because I, I thoroughly enjoyed her performance. I thought she did uh, fantastic with her performance, but I also realized how much was put on her uh-huh. because I don't think there is a single scene where she has to do something where where like the it's a the movie's a character study like you you mentioned that she has a husband and a daughter and they are not they leave that is not an event in the movie i Uh, I mean it happens but it is a non-event so if you're listening to the description of the movie and you think that her husband leaving uh, for a couple of months on business is some kind of a catalyst it is not it is a non-issue and a non-event uh for this person uh it is insane to me how uh how like why why even bring this up and because of the artful nature of it and the fact that it's a character study this this is a longer movie than it needs to be because we are staying on shots we are lingering in in feelings and there is no real story no uh it is uh we are it is a slice of life character study of a person who uh and and again I, i don't know what it was in the 70s but if you that that movie could easily be remade today mm-hmm. because uh, I don't think I've seen even today when people talk about it, I don't think I've seen a more uh, effective and efficient way of communicating uh, a bipolar disorder mm-hmm. uh, because you was it bipolar was that what it I, was? I don't know well, well she's got suicidal thoughts I I'm, I think there she has highs I'm not she tries to again I'm not a, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. But I do know that there's a like a there's the the whole manic depressive uh, it was state of things. It was confusing. Uh, <laughs> it, it was confusing because again, there's no catalyst. But because there's no catalyst, this was a more realistic version of that. You get to watch a woman who, for no reason, her brain chemicals have decided to make her sad and suicidal. And even when she commits suicide, she says that she's fine and it doesn't matter. And 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 <laughs> it's like she doesn't have any real connection to it because she doesn't feel any, any fear of consequence from it, which is all stuff that today when you learn and read about mental health and what they tell you about it is like, that's what depression is. You're not sad about a thing that happened to you. You just have depression. And Uh so watching this movie, I'm like, Oh, okay. Nothing happened, but she's going on this downturn anyway, even though there are no real catalysts. And that's what mental health really is. The problem being, of course, is I don't watch a movie to not have a fucking plot. That's right. And so it's like it was it was yeah, great but, to watch her act it out, but yeah. it was like there's no story here. So, um Tim, you I love how observant you are because you always it's like I always am about to make a point and then you like say you're like, I don't know why, and then I'm like, <laughs> I actually am about to say why. Like that's actually you're you're very observant. I love this because 
<laughs> so this was actually shot for TV. And it was supposed to be this episodic thing, but then they just decided to thread it into a film and then just release it. So that's why it's just kind of was never ending. And it was kind of just like, what the fuck is going on? And I am going to completely confess this to you. The only reason why I know a lot of details of the movie is because I fully looked up a long synopsis of the movie. Cause frankly, I didn't understand what was going on. I was like, <laughs> I don't, I can understand that she's like mental, but there's a lot of tone things that I find confusing. Like, the way that I would best describe it, if, if if somebody listening, the way that I would best describe it is in the Disney movie Snow White, when she is banished at the beginning and she has to run away because the queen is trying to kill her and she's in that like spooky forest and everything is scaring her and everything is chaos to Snow White and she's just running around being hysterical. It's basically that, but she's dressed like a handmaid from Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> For two and a half hours. It's just this strange, artsy-fartsy film. However, as a movie, it's super not something I would ever watch again, but just in terms of an acting performance. Yeah, uh, it's incredible. Yeah, she's basically doing a two and a half hour monologue. She is carrying this film. It's a very strange script, but she is carrying this movie. It's like when she talks about um, all, almost being raped, and then she says that she actually wanted it. The reason I... Th- from what I understood from that was that her character is trying to say that because she has so many mental health issues and she's suicidal and she wants to die, she wants bad things to happen to her because she thinks that she deserves them. And you're kind of like, Oh, like that's really fucked up. Like that's really dark, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, there, there are so many things going on in this movie. I don't think it was done very well, but just in terms of me understanding the film, it was through her performance that I understood what was going on. And percent. I just think that every single scene, she just carried it. I think that she just nailed it. And it was very dark, very heavy material. And she's obviously a very true artist. And um, would I recommend this movie to watch? No. I, it's, it's. I mean, if you want to check it out, it fine. I mean, I can't tell we, you. We what, have found the link. Yeah. <laughs> if you want the link, if you want the link, let, let us, let us know. But I mean, seriously, good luck. Good luck finding it. But um uh, like on our way to find it they're like you're gonna encounter a wizard keep going we were like okay yeah. uh, like it just it was this pilgrimage uh but mm, great performance yeah awful movie. but and here's here's the thing about her performance too where it's like uh, uh and and wh- again uh, the, my original point where it's like trying to weight it as was this the best performance of the year like i can see why a lot of people would mm-hmm. say that and when i was watching it i'm like it had to have been, first of all, because, yes, she's propping up the entire movie. The entire movie is just uh, basically the externalization of an inner monologue. That's all that's happening. Uh, and right. uh, and the and Ingmar Bergman, uh, to his credit as a, as a director, uh, it, it, there are very, very, uh, there's a very small amount of cuts in this movie. If, if, uh, if, if Liv Ullman is meant to act out a scene we stay on her the entire time mm-hmm. without cuts mm-hmm. so if you've got this uh, uh, uh one of the scenes that i think uh, uh was uh, to, to me it hit me the most because i'm like uh as a performer you're like holy shit how do you why how do you deal with somebody not calling cut in this moment but when mm-hmm. she takes the pills uh, to, to kill herself like that scene is very, very long and you're not doing anything. You like suicide by sleeping pills. Isn't an interesting way to 
to die on film. And it's not like, oh, she took the pills and then we see her later dead. It's like, no, no, we're going to hang out with her for four and a half minutes while she dies. Uh, and and she is bored. You can see this woman who has just taken sleeping pills and she's checking her watch and she's playing with stuff on the wall. Because it's like, I will die eventually, which was the point of this. But for now, I mean, what the fuck am I going to do? It's a little bit boring in here. And you, you get all of that. And every scene she's in, it's like... It should they stay on her? And so I think it's out of necessity that she did an amazing job because yes. uh, the director was not letting her fucking, you're like, no, no, you keep acting until we're done because uh, I don't want to pay an editor. To, to <laughs> it was not out of necessity. That is so funny. They're like, Liv, you got this bitch. You, you are carrying, you have got to save this sinking ship. That is so funny. Um, I think that <laughs> you have to do it out of necessity. I'm keeping that. That's funny. Um, she was okay. Out of all the nominees, she was the most realistic character. I think we can kind of both agree on that. She did seem like an actual person. Um, the only thing about this movie that I thought was really unrealistic and stupid was when the gay guy was like, yeah, I'm going to go to Jamaica uh to go and live my life of vice and you're like yeah i don't know if you're familiar with jamaica <laughs> it's like <laughs> it is notorious for the home of they behead gay people it is very famously homophobic so honey you might want to you know change those tickets but other than that <laughs> other than that great acting performance god what a painful movie but great yeah. acting performance i think you hit it on uh, the nail on the head when you're like uh, don't watch this movie but if you are into <laughs> if you are into character study and uh, if you are a performer and you want to see somebody skillfully deal with uh, mundane uh, mundanity in extremes uh, this is this is a good one. Uh, any actors out there looking to see how you could die from sleeping pills over a five minute single shot? Uh, this is this is the one to go look at. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's talk about our winner, uh, Faye Dunaway. No more wire hangers for network. Um, I'm only familiar with Faye Dunaway for either Bonnie and Clyde and Mommy Dearest, obviously. And by the way, there was a little wink, wink to Faye Dunaway because at the beginning when they show the bank robbery scene, the girl, she's wearing a beret. I didn't read this anywhere, but I'm understanding that that was a wink, wink to uh, Faye Dunaway for, you know, Bonnie and Clyde. So, you know, it was kind of yeah. cute. Uh, I don't know if that is a fact, but I'm pretty sure that it is. <laughs> we so, are making it a fact now. <laughs> making it a fact now. Um, so the movie... Uh, network is the story about Peter Finch who actually won his Oscar posthumously for this movie and he is actually the first actor to ever win an Oscar posthumously who by the way Peter Finch is Australian and guess who the second Oscar to win posthumously is Heath Ledger for uh, The Dark Knight and he's also Australian so apparently they're just throwing uh, Oscars at Australian people you want to win an Oscar Australians oh, just, uh, die. Die. <laughs> just die just <laughs> die um, so the movie network is about Peter Finch's character who is like doing horrible in his news reporting career back in the day in the fifties, he was super popular and then he's just had it. And then he just kind of has a mental break on live TV and he's like, I'm going to blow my brains out. This whole industry is BS. The way that we represent news is just BS. And, um, then he becomes kind of like, uh, infamous for doing that and his ratings go up. 
And then Faye Dunaway, who works at a separate network that is like really lacking in the ratings, is like, let's get Peter Finch in here to help the ratings. And Faye Dunaway is this, almost imagine like Miranda Priestly from The Devil Wears Prada meets, who was the contestant? Any network exec? No, but it was like, <laughs> if Holly Hunter from Broadcast News met Meryl Streep from The Devil Wears Prada, where it's sort of like the, she works in a network and she's so consumed by her job, but she's also kind of cold and like a little bit like sociopathic. She's kind of like that. And mm-hmm. actually she was told by the director to be unsympathetic and that if she even tried to to sneak in any sympathy, any sympathy for her character, they would simply just edit it out. So she was told to just be absolutely ruthless. And the thing about the movie Network that uh, a lot of people today have a hard time understanding why this movie was so groundbreaking is because everything in this movie came true. Because basically what Faye Dunaway does in the movie is she takes like, um, basically trash TV, like, uh, like we're going to predict the future for the week. And then, Ooh, I'm going to tell you my dirty secrets this week. And like little things that you put on to sensationalize a kind of crappy show. It's kind of trash TV. And at the time that didn't really exist. And then what at the time you think like, Oh, like that's so silly, you know, like that's not how we watch television these days, but television has integrity, but then everything in this movie came true. So years later, George Clooney actually tried to redo this movie for television and he showed it to a bunch of teenagers to see, you know, like, what do you think about this? And they just simply didn't get it. And then George Clooney realized it's because everything in the movie came true. So they don't understand the significance of why this movie was important. Yep. Uh, when I, uh, when I had heard about it, uh, uh, it was, uh, it was said to me, cause I'm a big fan of Aaron Sorkin and, the, and, and smart people disagreeing type movies. Mm-hmm. And so people were like, Oh, you should go check out <laughs> network. That's one of the originals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and it's a satirical comedy about this. And, uh, and you're exactly right. I, when I watched network, uh, I enjoyed the movie and knowing it was a dark satire helped me because it, just it was almost right. documentary like right. in the and that's just how tv is because you're absolutely right she's she's a daytime trash tv uh, uh producer basically and she decides uh if news is losing money but that's but uh, but people are still watching news uh why don't we just make the news more entertaining mm-hmm. and basically creates what would now be Fox news and CNN. And it's, it's no longer news. It's opinions and, 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 uh, and making sure that you've picked a side and a team. Mm -hmm. And so you're watching this movie uh, today going, well, this isn't satirical. This is just what TV is. Exactly. So it, it, it throws you a little bit. And, um, what I thought was, um, kind of interesting about this movie was it, didn't really hold my attention very well, but I would say that every time that Faye was on screen, I was locked mm. into her. She has extreme presence. And I kind of just like that she owns the fact that she is ruthless and fiery. And, you know, she's like, I'm really bad at sex and I'm really awkward with dating. And she's a very flawed person, but she's also a very honest person. And she's a very realistic person. She goes, the one thing that I am good at is my job. And I will essentially kill somebody if they get in my way, which in the end, I, you know, that's essentially what happens. They assassinate uh, Peter Finch's (laughs) character. And um, 
you know, she goes right up to uh, this black woman and she goes, hi, I'm a racist. And then she's like, hi, like I'm an N word. And she's like, oh, what a great basis for a friendship. Obviously it's dated, but it's just, this character is just awful, but that's the way that it's presented. And frankly, I really enjoy watching female characters presented in that way because women are always supposed to be like the earth mother very supporting very nurturing but yeah. i love whenever you just have this kind of like ruthless sociopathic woman because i mean obviously there are women that are like this and um yeah oh, oh by the way uh beatrice straight won the oscar for best supporting actress uh <laughs> for being on screen for five minutes and actually if you watch the performance it when she finds out that uh um uh, uh, William Holden, which by the way, woof, William Holden did not age well. Uh, <sighs> whenever William Holden's like, yeah, like I'm in love with Faye Dunaway and I'm going to go live with her. And she's like, that scene was incredible. Yeah. And she won an Oscar for that. So, you know, good for her. I, I get it. I get yeah. it. Um, but you know, Faye in this movie, she has a very fiery, but quiet sort of authority. And then sometimes she's not quiet and she's, she's yelling and, uh, whenever uh, William Holden in the end is kind of just like, I need you to love me. And she's literally just straight to his face. Like I can't, like, I just, I'm not capable of that. Yep. Uh, I, that's, it's a, it's another movie that I watched the second time after, after I watched it, I gave it oh, a couple really? of days. Yeah. Cause the first time, cause I was watching it and I'm like, okay, it, first of all, if we're talking about performances now and then mm-hmm. Faye Dunaway's character uh, at the time may have been groundbreaking, but it is a character that we see often now. Uh, yes. uh, this is, this is, this is now become an archetype of, of, of female characters in movies to the point where I think if this character was written in a movie, it would be slightly offensive because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, this trope again, but at the time, uh, right. clearly not the thing, but there was uh, the, the scene where, uh, where he breaks up with her and says, uh, uh, we can't because you're never going to love me. That scene, he spells out, who she is in a way that I hadn't picked up on. And so I watched it again to see if, uh, uh, if I had just missed it or if it was just like, they didn't spend enough time building that part of her character. And I think they just didn't spend enough time building that part on the character because he's saying that, uh, the, that, that basically she's an emotionless person and she doesn't actually, uh, 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 she's obviously very self-involved uh, and that's all it is. Uh, she wants to paint, the picture and the story of her life to fit the highs and lows of the TV she's uh, TV shows she would create. She is building her life the same way she builds a show, the way mm-hmm. the same way she builds the news because she doesn't have any other side of her character. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have emotional connections with people. She can't make emotional connections with people. She doesn't have any of the sympathy required to do anything else. And the one thing that she claims to be good at is something that she puts to every aspect of her life, including her relationships. And so he's like, I just need you to want to be here and care about me. And all you care about is the fact that that is a boring uh, scene. And because we're not hitting any highs or lows, we aren't making any character development for your story. And that's why you don't want this to happen. And she absolutely nails it home a couple of seconds later where he walks out and then all of a sudden she starts begging him to come back because not because she wants him to come back, but because this would make the story more interesting to her. 
Yeah. It's like, if you're not going to play your part, then I'm going to have to add a storyline to this relationship, this thing. You're not fighting with me. You're not angry that you're breaking up with me. There is no climax here, and I need a climax. So let me start begging for your return, mm -hmm. because that's a better story. And he blatantly tells her, you're just doing this because you want a better story. And uh, at, so that's why I watched it a second time to see if maybe that was hinted at a little bit sooner, but it really wasn't. But um watching watching it back with that in mind i was like okay yeah if you're going to play a well a well-rounded three-dimensional character who literally only has one dimension mm -hmm. i think faye dunaway knocked it out of the fucking park uh she did a great job with mm -hmm. this role being said like being told story like you know you have to make the character like do not make the character unsympathetic uh, do not make the character yeah. sympathetic and she does kind of do it in a way that you do kind of like her, even though she is sort of awful. And um, again, I think that's a really great observation. I do think that she is kind of representative of like the sociopathicness of television programming. I mean, especially mm -hmm. today of how they just exploit everything and people for, you know, the dollar. And um, the only complaint really that I had about this film was... <laughs> Okay, this is really stupid, but I'm I'm not saying this to be like cute. Like I'm totally seriously. My only complaint about this film was that like at one point all of the old white dudes started blending together and I started becoming confused. I was like, wait, is that the guy that was is no, he's gonna blow no, that's the okay, wait, no, that's the executive. Oh, is that is that Robert Duval? No, that that's not that that's not Robert Duval. I got confused a lot because it was because movies now are, are very diverse and I'm kind of used to that. So when I just see mm -hmm. all the it I find it a little confusing. Um, but Faye was really great in this. When she won her Oscar, uh, there's that very, very famous photo that was taken of her where she's like staring at her Oscar in like a, next to a motel pool. And it was because she was up all night and her, I think, I don't think they were married at that point, but she was, she would marry this man eventually, uh, came to photograph that famous picture. It's like the Oscar is sitting on the table and she's like sitting next to a pool in a motel and she's just it, like all like you know tired from the night before but she's still in her like oscar gown and she's just like staring at the academy award and it's like this very very famous photo of faye dunaway and um which is i don't know why but it, it's part of the history of this win th that photo i i don't yeah. know why but it's a very very famous photograph um uh you know what i i do you have anything else that you would like to add about her performance because i think that we uh no i think uh i think uh, just uh, 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 to, uh, in fear of any kind of foreshadowing, uh, uh, I think Faye Dunaway uh, did an incredible job uh, mm -hmm. and uh, and was handed a very uh, a very incredible script. Uh, just it, it was an amazing movie all around, and she was the highlight of it. Uh, so uh, uh, it was it was it was incredible and fun to watch, and I, I thought she did a great job. Okay, so. Um let's go ahead and say who we think that the Oscar should have gone to. So you are my guest. So you will go first. Okay. Um, I believe the Oscar should have gone to. Sissy Spacek. Actually, I think Sissy Spacek. I love that. Why? <laughs> Why? Um, uh, exactly for the reason that I was foreshadowing with Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway did an incredible job with a script that was stunning. It was a stunning script, uh, stunningly acted, uh, well-paced, uh, very well done, and she did a great job with it. But I 
don't think that she had a whole lot of extra work to do. The character was done very well. Uh, uh, like the lines she sang and her character work was great. But I think Sissy Spacek started at a lower rung on that ladder. Uh, mm-hmm. She didn't have a great script. It wasn't a great, uh, uh, the, like, <laughs> it's not a well-directed movie. It's no. not a well-edited <laughs> movie. And yet, I still remember every scene of Sissy Spacek. And mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I don't remember uh, a lot of the scenes with Faye Dunaway. Uh, and simply because of that, the fact that you could take a what is a television movie, a, a movie made for TV, and turn it into not just a Hollywood movie, but a Hollywood movie so important it's been remade twice. Right. Uh, like it is an iconic movie, and it's uh, all on the shoulders of Sissy Spacek, who put in just an absolutely tour de force role, taking somebody with telekinesis. And making her the most believable of the characters of all of the movies that we watched. That's very... I I thought Sissy Spacek crushed it. That's very funny. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and say who I think. This is is hard, actually. It's between between two, and I don't know, but okay. Um, I think the Oscar should have gone to... Sissy Spacek for Carrie. I actually do because uh, here's the thing. Liv Allman clearly had the superior technical acting performance. So good. So So good. good. I hated the movie and I just (laughs) couldn't stand watching it. And as far as I'm concerned, movies are all about connecting with people and I just really didn't connect to it. And I literally have, am riddled with mental health issues. I literally have a comedy album called Unmedicated. So it's just one of those things where um, I was really wanting to love the movie. I will give it to her that this was an incredible performance. And if she did win, totally, I would get it good for her. Um, I would have also given it to Faye Dunaway, but Frankly, I just didn't really like the movie that much, if I'm being honest with you. And I do agree that it was a great performance. Everything that you said was very, very true. But for me, the only character that I enjoyed was Sissy Spacek, because like you're saying, she took this ridiculous movie and ridiculous premise and somehow made it so watchable and entertaining and relatable and I felt sorry for her character and I literally cried at one point in this ridiculous plot there were obviously a lot of really bad choices um like like the arm popping out at the end it was like what that's it's not that kind of movie it's she's supposed to be the victim in this but um you know she was such a sad character and she didn't really have a lot of lines. And whenever she did say something, it was like, Oh my God, it just breaks my heart. And then when she finally did say stuff, it was always in front of her mom, but then her mom would keep her down. And it's like, you believed, you believed every single time uh, that she was this abused person. And it was just such a difficult thing to watch. But then when you get back on track to the actual movie, you're just like, this is so dumb because at one point there's a scene where all the girls are doing like half naked jumping jacks. And you're like, what the fuck is this and like this steamy underage shower scene and whenever john travolta lol whenever john travolta like comes in and then she's like going down on him for a second and then by the way uh, can we talk about that for two 
tiny seconds. <laughs> sure. Uh, so that scene that you're talking about, they're in the car and she's trying to convince John Travolta to do this terrible thing. And he's already mad at her because she's like this terrible tease. His girlfriend is this terrible tease. Who's not, who's like, it's like, uh, are you attracted to me? Do you want to fuck psych? Uh, and so he's like getting really frustrated with her and is like ready to break up with her and just leave. And she's like, but I need you to do this terrible thing. So let me ask you while I'm going down with you. But then it's like, she's going down on him. And having a conversation. And I'm like, no, bitch, you can't talk right now. Your mouth is full. And at least you should sound muffled while you're talking. Like, what's happening here that you can have this dialogue while your head's moving like this? Like, fuck I mean, to be fair, though, I mean, it's John Travolta. He wouldn't be hard. (laughs) So that's definitely a thing but i mean listen i also another thing that was just so i mean the girls the women in this movie they're so one-dimensional it's like i'm a bitch and it's like i'm the nice girl and it was like Mm -hmm. but but sissy spacek brought so many layers to that character because frankly let's be honest if that was given to somebody else they probably would have played it in like a comedic ridiculous way because that's the way that uh her mother uh uh whoops what was her name uh uh, piper laurie that was the way that she was playing it because that's what she thought the script was because she was the only one that understood how ridiculous the script was. But Sissy really uh, just elevated this material and made it so enjoyable. And yeah, I'm giving it to giving it to Sissy Spacek for Carrie. Okay, so that concludes another episode of Best Actress. Uh, Tim Riel, where can people find you on social media? Uh, I'm uh, at, uh, oh God, uh, I, think, I think the best place to find me is... Uh... Just look for Tim Riel, uh, T-I-M-R-I-E-L. You'll either find me or Tim Van Riel, a supermodel from uh, from Europe. Uh, I'm the less (laughs) attractive of the two. Uh, (laughs) uh, And uh, mostly uh, right now, the thing that uh, I'm having the most fun with is you can find me at code at uh, uh, well, you can look at for code names live everywhere. Type that in, but uh, it's over on Twitch.tv/tim_riel. On Mondays and Thursdays, I play a game show with other comedians and entertainers from around the world uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern uh, every Thursday and Monday. Great. Um, Well, everybody, uh, thank you so much again for listening. And please subscribe to this podcast. Share this with the gays. You got to spread the word uh, about Best Actress. And um, thank you so much, Tim, for being my guest. And we will see you next time. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was so much fun. Yay. Okay. Bye. Bye.